from the Night Shift Crew Studios in the D.C. metro area, this is The Statement Show. The lights are on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kyle Klessinger from 30 West Entertainment, and you're listening to The Statement Show with Zach and Terry. Hi, this is Stanton Friedman, uh, the original civilian investigator of the Roswell incident, nuclear physicist, lecturer, author, and you're listening to me on The Statement Show with Zach and Terry. Hey guys, it's Ivana Cadaver of Macaw's Theater, and you're listening to Terry and Zach on The Statement Show. Welcome back to another edition of The Statement Show. I'm Terry James. And I'm Zach Trahey, and we're the podcast that fits in no category. That's right, Zach. Today, we have the star of Freddy vs. Jason, Transformers, Resident Evil, but of course, you know him best as Scott Farkas, the bully from A Christmas Story. So help me God, he had yellow eyes. Zach Ward, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, guys. How you guys doing? Doing fantastic. I appreciate you coming on, man. My pleasure. And let's be honest, I wasn't the star of those movies. I oh, was, come on. I was the supporting uh, cast actor who usually dies horribly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to misrepresent my my work ethic. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate the kindness. Yeah, but we uh, can. <laughs> we, that's true. Yeah. Lock your ass off. Have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> you're a star to us. I mean, we haven't started any movies, so I mean, you're a star to us. <laughs> that's kind of guys so how you guys doing great doing great man i appreciate it hey, obviously we want to want to get to a christmas story because that's that's the easy one but kind of want to take it back just just a little step if you don't mind sure. according to your imdb it says that actually your mom wanted you to be normal quote unquote your brother actually intervened on this is that correct yes, did. my i have an interesting family we all have different last names my mom maintained her maiden name as uh, she's an actress so her name is pam hyatt h-y-a-t-t my older brother kept his father's name which is Foster. So my older brother is Carson Foster. I kept my father's last name, which is Todd Ward. So my mom was a kind of hippy dippy back in the day, enlightened actress, you know, trying to change the world and had a couple of uh, baby daddies. I <laughs> uh, got married once. And then my father was, uh, they didn't get married. So I'm either considered a love child or a bastard, depending on what mood I'm in. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to get into acting. Um, and my mom said that I should lead a normal life. And my older brother convinced her otherwise, uh, saying, you know, what is the definition of a normal life? And I'm not sure if I'm grateful or uh, cursed that moment. But either way, it was the one that changed my life. What was it that, I mean, did your brother actually see something? I mean, were you guys always acting and horsing around at the house or something? Or what, what made but you actually? actually? No, no, no. Um, I was in, uh, we traveled a lot. I went to eight different schools before junior high. So I was traveling around the country with my mom as she was looking for work and working in films or theater. Um and I was in Stratford, Ontario, and I watched I watched a, a performance of uh, Taming of the Shrew. And my mom had actually explained all the jokes to me, which were pretty crass. I mean, most people don't understand that Shakespeare, although it sounds uh, elitist now, like, oh, Shakespeare's for fancy people with tuxedos who say things like, oh, it's so erudite. But actually, Shakespeare back in the day was the married with children. I mean, there were lots of titties and ass and wiener jokes in Shakespeare's uh, plays. And uh, my mom would explain them to me as I was a child as best she could without being, you know, crossing the line. 
so that I could actually enjoy the plays. And there is a line in Taming of the Shrew where this guy says, my tail and your tongue. And he's saying, I'm going to put my dick in your mouth, for lack of a better term. Um, And my mom explained that to me in a way that I thought it was funny and naughty and there's wieners and why would you show someone your wiener because I was like eight or whatever. But she wanted me to be involved in theater. Uh, in the understanding of it. So when I saw this guy perform that line, I was really excited to hear a dirty joke said in public, tee-hee, titter-titter. And he said it sort of like the way people used to do Shakespeare, which is very um, removed from normal people. It doesn't relate. Everything is uh, very elitist and a feat. And he said it like, my tail and your tongue. And everybody watching it made sort of clucking noises as if they were supposed to be impressed with the line. No one laughed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, I could do a better job than this guy. So that really was the beginning of my career was um, me thinking I could do a better job than that guy. And me then begging my mom that like, I want to be an actor. And my brother, her saying, it's uh, you should have a normal life. And then my older brother getting involved in it and asking her for the definition of a normal life to which she had none. So so was the Christmas story like your first role or did you have something going on before that? I had uh, I had done uh, commercials before that, but that was my first feature film. Hmm, okay. Did the movie really take off in the beginning? Was it like a, an instant success or did it take a while to kind of... No, not at all. It, it came out for a week and a half in um, movie theaters and then it was replaced with um, Rambo 2. Then it came out the following year in movie theaters again. And it, it never really did had that much impact in theaters. Uh, it didn't have a lot of press behind it. It just kind of languished. Some people liked it. Some people didn't really care. Funny, it kind of took off and it became like this enormous thing. It's now up there with uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, it's in the Library of Congress uh, and it's been entered in the Library of Congress as one of the most important films of the last century. So you've been immortalized. Wow. Yeah, no shit, man. Yeah, no, it is, it's a thing, you know. It's, uh, I get asked this question and, it's, and I'll be honest with you, it's a pretty stupid one. Uh, people say, "Did you ever? Did you ever think that it, this would happen when you did the movie?" And it's like, "A fucking course not. I didn't. I, a, I was 13 years old. B, I didn't. I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to predict what was going to happen with the different mediums of television, cable, VHS, DVD, 24-hour marathons. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Sure. How many different things came into play to make it what it is?" So do you guys want, I'll give you the quick breakdown of how it became what it is. Do you want that? Yeah, go for it. All right. Comes out in movie theaters two years in a row. Nobody really gives a shit. The guy who was the critic on Entertainment Tonight, was it not Elmer Leonard? That's the writer, but it was. Uh, is that the right what? guy? Somebody Moulton? Yeah, Leonard Moulton. Thank yeah, you. Okay. First year, he, he basically shits on it. The second year, he comes out. He apologizes for his previous year's analysis critique and reissues his uh, critique saying that it's a classic. Amazing. Then nobody really cares. However, it comes out on VHS. That's back when VHS was a big deal. The VHS tapes themselves of the movies cost like $80 to $100. That's when $80 to $100 was actually $80 to $100, not you know 20 bucks like it is now. So people treasure these VHS tapes and they they – traded them back and forth because there weren't a lot out there and they were very expensive. 
Remember this? Or you guys are too young? No, actually, I'm following you. I'm following you. Go for it. Okay. So that happened. So it becomes an underground thing. When I was 17 years old, I was working in a deli. I was a waiter. And I remember a family uh, telling me how much they loved that movie, how uh, they watched it every year, and they've been trading it back and forth. And that's four years after I, I shot it. And then they asked me to go get them a jelly roll and some cream cheese. But um, so that then that's when I'm 17 years old. And then uh, a little, little bit more in the distant future, MGM sells off part of their library, which not MGM. Yeah, MGM. Um, yeah, they sell off part of the library, which holds a Christmas story. They sell it to Turner Network Television. Turner Network Television gets it packaged in with a bundle purchase. So, for example, you buy these four other movies that are expensive and you get these other two pieces of shit that nobody cares about, one of which was A Christmas Story because it never did any real fucking numbers. So then Turner ends up having a Christmas marathon. They're like, well, what are we going to air? Because no one watches movies, uh, no one watches television back then on Christmas because everything sucks. Yeah. And it just wasn't what was done in the early 90s. Middle 90s, right? Mm -hmm. No one really stayed home to watch TV. So they play something that they don't need to spend any money on, a Christmas story. So they run a 24-hour marathon for that. Why? Because they've got no advertising. No one's paying money to put commercials in those spots because it's Christmas and no one watches TV on Christmas back then. So Turner starts running the 24-hour marathon and the numbers keep on going up and up. And up and up. Now, it's not the first time a TV marathon has ever been run. I'm sure you guys remember Wizard of Oz tried to do it. Yeah. That worked for three years. <laughs> uh, the uh, um, Sound of Music did it. Only worked for two years. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life worked for two years. At Miracle on 34th Street. No other, no other, other films have tried it. No other film keeps on getting an audience coming back to it. Uh, well, hold, let me ask yeah. a quick question. If I remember correctly, didn't they actually put a spot out with It's a Wonderful Life that they made a promise that they would play it one time for the year and no other times because they played it to death? Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I think that I think the problem with those other movies is that they are hmm, how to say this. They're so stylized. Like It's a Wonderful Life is a brilliant art piece of a film. Mm -hmm. But who's going to want to fucking watch that? Little kids? <laughs> yeah. Little kids aren't going to watch that. I mean, it's a great film to watch when you're alone and drinking and considering suicide. And, or perhaps you're in your 80s and you're trying not to consider suicide. That's well, a, I love that movie. <laughs> but I don't. But do you watch it with a group of other people? Oh, hell no. It's usually on. I'll catch it somewhere in the middle. Or I have the DVD, but to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time I actually took it out and watched it. So I, 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 I understand what you're saying. So you actually have that on DVD? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my. But God. I have this special Christmas bag of a Christmas story, I'll tell you. That, oh, yeah. It's like those films are things you watch by yourself while you're drinking scotch and have a gun in one hand. <laughs> but it's not a group experience. You don't you don't watch It's a Wonderful Life, start laughing, turn to the friend beside you like, right? Right? Remember that? You don't fucking quote It's a Wonderful Life to your friends and make them laugh. Everybody gets kind of sad because they remember when grandpa passed. Like it's not a, a group experience. Mm -hmm. So Christmas Story started building this this audience and I think why it worked is because little kids see themselves in it because Bob Clark, he literally cut the floor out of the set 
and lowered the camera so everything was from the POV of a child. Hmm. If you look at the movie, that we're not looking down from the adult's point of view towards the child. We're looking up. So the children feel like it's the movie from their perspective. Oh, wow. Adults remember being that child. The slightly older adults remember being that child, and they have their own children. The older, older adults have children and grandchildren, and they've been each part of those positions. The movie ends up being like the riddle of the Sphinx. What walks on all fours in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, and three at night? Man, remember, you're on all fours when you're a baby. You walk on two legs, and then when you're older, you have a cane. <laughs> this movie translates to every single one of those stages of life, which is why I think it keeps on getting carried on. And it, although we shot it in the 80s, the movie takes place in the 40s. But unlike Miracle on 34th Street, which actually did take place in the 40s, and it had that weird sort of mid-Atlantic accent thing where everyone's like, hello, mister, how are you? It's so good to see you, you understand? What's <laughs> happening, Mr. Fancy Pants? Like, you, which sounds retarded now, you know? Right, right, right. And no eight-year-old kid's going to look at that and be like, wow, I can't wait to go to school and talk all old-timey, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it separates, it, it's so stylized because of when it was shot, it ostracizes a modern audience and it becomes uh, dated very quickly. Whereas a Christmas story, because it was shot in the eighties, but it was the, it takes place in the forties. It was already a stylized version of a, a looking back uh, through the lens of life when it came out. So it became timeless. Kind of had that and Norman Rockwell it, look. Exactly. Right, right. If, exactly. And now this is me analyzing the movie, which I've done quite a bit, you know, whether I wanted to or fucking not. <laughs> and I don't take any responsibility for this. This isn't me patting myself on the back. I had a small part in an amazing film. The director, Bob Clark, Gene Shepard, the writer, those are the gods of creation of that film. But I think people should understand as filmmakers why this works so perfectly and why I think it's. You know, I don't know if you guys have kids, but I've watched five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds sit in front of that television or in front of that screen, and they watch it, and they shut up. Right. And it isn't a Pixar movie, and it isn't bright and shiny, and it doesn't have dancing dinosaurs or ray guns, and they shut the fuck up and watch the movie and laugh. Correct. That's and kind I, of amazing, dude. Yeah, we, uh, me and my daughter watch that. That's a tradition. So Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, can you... When it comes on 24 hours, how many times can you actually, how many times have you ever actually watched it straight? Can you watch it 24 hours or is it just not? Think about it too, man. Like that's me as a child. That, do you look at pictures of yourself when you were 13? Like I'm 46 years old. I, I, I'm, I'm glad to be alive, but I definitely don't have the full head of hair I did when I was fucking 13. (laughs) I didn't have my life in front of me the same way I did when I was a teenager. So like, and those people, a lot of the people I worked with in the film are dead. So it's it, there's a there's a little, uh, as the French would say, ennui, it want like sweet sadness. But there's only so much I can take because like Bob Clark was a big part of my life. The man's dead, and I watch the film, and it reminds me that yes, this I one day I will pass this mortal coil. So it's not really for me the same Christmassy moment it is for everyone else. Oh, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. You were there, so you have a different take on it. Yeah, it's it's a little 
darker for me. Okay. So uh, how, do you keep in contact with any of the cast members, other cast members? Yeah, all the time. Okay. Yeah, all the time. I, I mean, I see him over Christmas. Um, yeah, we're good friends. I mean, we, we share something that very few people do. Um, we've known each other for 33 years, mm. and all of us are part of something that nobody else can really experience. Yeah, I see they have the house set up as a kind of like a tour now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty cool. It's actually become one of the uh, um, largest uh, domestic products for Cleveland next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so that when I it's... when I first saw the movie, the thing that really took off to me was Darren McGavin when I – I recognized him and that's kind of what made me stop my tracks when I first saw it. And because I remember watching that with my dad, uh, the night stalker, uh, series that he did that, that movie just, uh, it, it reminded me a lot of my father. And I think a lot of people kind of look at it that way, the whole battle with the, with the furnace and everything. And, <laughs> and of course everybody had a bully in school. And I guess mm-hmm. they, that was the thing that you kind of, you took on that image. You were the oh. central bully. <laughs> yeah. I played that very well. Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, now, far as for yourself, I mean, can you actually still embrace? I know that that Peter Billingsley kind of has, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's on to huge things, and I understand that. But it almost seems as though when someone talks to him regarding it, it's sort of passed with him. You know, it's let's let's not talk about it any longer. I mean, yeah, he's a little weird about it. I'll be honest. He, he is his whole attitude about the whole thing is a little odd. Uh, I don't know why he's so dicky about it. Um, like he's a good guy, but he definitely has a chip on his shoulder about that movie, and I and I don't know why. I mean, maybe I do, but I had that I had that attitude when I was much younger. My attitude was like, uh, uh, I do other stuff too, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna be another thing. I'm gonna make it one day, you know. I was a, I had that chip, but the thing with the Christmas story is. It's lightning in a bottle, man. That shit doesn't happen every day. And, for example, I would say that Elf, the movie that Peter produced and John Favreau directed, I don't know. I think Elf is a really, really, really good movie. I think it's classic, and it may end up becoming something like that. Eventually, I, you know, the problem is it hasn't done – It's not a Christmas story. No way. It's not. And it's it's like – it's close. It's damn good. It's a really good film. But, you know, to be part of something like Christmas story, it happens once, man. Like I did Transformers, the original Transformers, and I think that was the best one out of any of them, to be honest. But I guarantee you in 30 years, no one gives a fuck about the first Transformers. No one's going to – come on, everybody. Yeah. First Transformers again, like we did with Grandpa. Yeah, this <laughs> shit. It's giant CGI robots, and when they first came out, that was cool. But now we see it in everything. It's on Saturday morning cartoons, so I don't care. But there's the story value isn't connected. I mean, being part of a Christmas story is something that you'd never get, and if you get it once, you're lucky. Just think maybe he got tired of people pestering him about it because he he kind of has that same look to him. It's like when you look at him, you're like, wait yeah. a minute, you're that you're that kid from that movie. Yeah. And well, you know, everywhere he goes, he's he's being told you'll shoot your eye out and shit like that. I'm sure it gets old. I'm I'm, I'm positive it does, but yeah, I don't but know. It's sort of what made him. Uh, yeah, it is and it isn't. You know, um, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to talk to Peter about that. To be honest with you. 
Uh, you had to talk to Peter about that. Now, why did that people recognize you right yep. away? Absolutely. Because I'm going to be honest, when I look at your adult picture, it's it, not instant for me. So Really? Oh, One of the few, because most people and come up to me and ask right away. I, I could see it. I mean, I don't think you've aged a day, <laughs> personally. Well, I don't God, think it looks you're right. You're a lying sack of crap. But <laughs> You know, that the way you were talking about, what was it, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, I feel that way about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's okay. the only That's the only other one besides A Christmas Story that I think that I maybe could watch 24 hours. That's about the only, that's about it. I can't think of anything else. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't like, oh, like Miracle on 34th Street and all the rest of them do nothing for me. I would say Shawshank Redemption. That is that is a movie that if it's on twenty four hours, I don't have to watch it every every single second. Yes. With my head turns and I yeah. pick it up, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Shawshank might be my favorite movie ever. That that I'm it's I'm with you there, one hundred percent. It's a perfect movie. It really, really is. It well, really is. Yeah, well, Morgan Freeman narrating it helps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, obviously, could narrate a bag of Frito chips, and it would be. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there. I mean, obviously, you were talking about moving on, and, and, and you know, we, we've kind of talked a good bit about a Christmas story. But the one thing that I – I'm going to be honest with you. I, when I watched Freddy vs. Jason, yes. I went through it, loved it, but I had no idea that was you in that tub. I had no clue until we went back. We started looking at things. I was like, that was that, – that has to be amazing to be on – an epic movie like that. I mean, oh yeah, wow. that's that, that, that was that was that was really cool. I mean, it's to I've gotten to be part of some really interesting um, franchises. You have Transformers was great. Resident Evil Apocalypse was wonderful. Um, I've done some what else? Uh, Blood Rain was bizarre. Was Apocalypse uh, the first one? And no, Resident Evil Apocalypse was a sequel. The first one was much better, I think, but. Um, the one I was in was pretty cool, and I got to be the big Russian bad guy, which I'm neither big nor Russian. But uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> what I mean, you're, you're kind of uh, you're kind of blowing off Sharknado here. I mean, that's... Uh, I, I didn't do Sharknado, buddy. I did Heart of Sharkness. Ah. Heart of Sharkness. Okay, because it was saying on IMDb Sharknado, Heart of Sharkness, or something like that. Yes, so it's Sharknado colon Heart of Sharkness. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sharkness was like the behind-the-scenes documentary. You know what Heart of Darkness is from Apocalypse right, Now. Right, right. So Heart of Sharkness is a mockumentary of the very first uh, Sharknado movie, which was Lost. And, uh, uh, yeah, so it's a – do you know what Mumblepeg is? It's um, it's like when you – we improvised the entire movie. We shot it in like four days. Mm -hmm. It's It's actually pretty funny at certain points. And then it's just fucking stupid at others. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I'm a working actor, so I pay my bills this way. So yay for shame. <laughs> no, besides A Christmas Story, what, what's your favorite movie you've ever done? Uh, let's see. Well, they're all very different, man. Like Transformers was fucking cool because you're in the desert fighting giant robots, billions of dollars, uh, almost famous. Cameron Crowe was fantastic. Really enjoyed working with him. He was so nice. What else? Did you get to hang out with Megan Fox when you were with Transformers? Megan, um, Megan, we didn't have any scenes together. I met her a couple of times there, but she's she's married to a buddy of mine, Brian Austin Green. Sure, absolutely. 
Um, he did a movie that I uh, I produced called Don't Blink. Netflix now, so you guys can go check that out. Since Definitely. it's for you, you cheap bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, very nice person. That's the way it's going, though. All the new movies are coming out on Netflix. Adam Sandler's got what the Ridiculous Six that just came out. Yeah, but Adam Sandler. Okay, let's let's. You, the business is that Adam Sandler's shit is dying. Did you see his movie, The The Cobbler? No, no. Neither did anybody. Else. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while since Adam Sandler's had a halfway decent movie. Well, and yeah, and, and I mean, let, let's be honest. The problem is like Adam Sandler is actually a really good fucking actor. Mm-hmm. He's really good. Did you see Punch Drunk Love? I loved it. Yep. Oh, he was awesome in that. Mm-hmm. But the audiences want to see what is it called? Like Happy Gilmore. Gilmore was back in the day, right? And that was a good beginning. But then what's the other one, Adults or something like that, where they all? Oh yeah, Grown Ups. Yeah. That was so fucking stupid, man. Right, <laughs> and I walked out of the and I I walked out. I was like, I can't sit here and watch this. This is just insulting my intelligence. Um, and it's not funny, not fucking funny. And uh, so he's caught in a weird place because he's got an audience that wants that the studios want to sell his shit to that audience because that audience wants it. But now the audience is starting to say, Meh, it's not worth going to a theater for. Mm-hmm. So he's losing. I believe uh, you should hold on. I'll Google it while we talk. So we're like, uh, opening weekend for the cobbler. All right. Weekend. It was, yeah. Weekend box office. Did the cobbler actually come out in theaters? <laughs> and it wasn't a bad idea. It really was. Okay. It did. It did a total of 24,000 in theaters. Oh my Dollars? God. Yeah. <laughs> Pesos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. embarrassing. Oh was, my God. I think, look at back. Uh, but that's the point is like, it doesn't make enough money. Whereas like you look at a movie like Ted and right. Ted was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Right. Remember right. The second one. Very good. Dude. All right. The second one I, I watched on a plane and I was laughing out loud. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, that, a, that's a good movie. They're both that's good movies. A good movie. That's a good movie. So what do you got coming up? What are you working on? Um, well, you guys should go check out Don't Blink because I produced that. Uh, Brian House Green, Mina Savari. And I just uh, produced two more movies this year. Uh, to produced two, uh, wrote three films, produced two of them, directed one of them, uh, acted in two of them, starred in one of them. And so it's been a busy ass fucking year for me. It's a lot of it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work. So these two other features are called uh, Restoration, and the other one is Bethany. Okay. Um, I directed Restoration. James Cullen Bresick uh, directed Bethany. And then the other film is called The Terror of Halloween. It is uh, being in principal photography in January. It's in prep right now. Uh, it's a practical effects uh, horror film. So I would say somewhat along the lines of The Krampus. However, The Krampus sucked. Did you all see The Krampus? No, I have yeah, not. Yeah, it doesn't interest I, I, me. <laughs> I have a problem. Here, here's my issue, and I don't, I don't know if anything that, that you're doing is this, but here's my issue. When it comes to horror movies, whenever they're PG-13 – I'm out the door. I won't even. That's right. I well, won't do it. Well, you know that's you know why they do that, right? They do that. The studios do that so they can get a wider spread on an audience base. But it's fucking stupid because, like, what kids are going to go see a PG-13 horror movie? Right. They're good. They don't have any money, and their parents right. aren't going to take them, mm-hmm. so they're going to watch it on Netflix or a VOD. Sure. So the adults between the ages of 18 and 35 are going to go see a horror movie. And they want to see something with some balls. I agree. 
they don't want it trimmed down to placate everyone and and satisfy no one. And so I think I, I think the studios are trying to find a way to to. I mean, it makes sense for me if the movie is uh, Hellboy. Did you all see Hellboy? Parts. But I really liked Hellboy. I loved the comic book, and I thought if you looked at that movie, it was PG thirteen because there was no blood. The, the movie was an action adventure movie. It wasn't based upon blood and gore. I agree. You know, like Iron Man and Avengers, those those, those type of movies can get away with it. But I don't think like the Friday the Thirteenth series would have been anything right. at all. I mean, could you just imagine if there was no tits, if there was no blood, there was just it would have been awful. Nobody wouldn't have watched yeah. that at all. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. I mean, that's why I wanted to watch. I mean, I remember growing up and I wasn't, but, you know, probably what, eight or nine, ten years old when they first started coming out. There was actual titties on the on the screen. Yes, I got to see something. You know, I mean, I I just couldn't imagine this garbage of I can't even remember the last PG-13 horror movie that was any good. I mean, I think I went and saw. I don't know what the hell that was silent house or something like that. Okay. And it was you're silent saying, Hill. all right, all right. But no, you're saying a horror movie. movie, but you know, the movie you just went and saw last night was PG 13, right? No, Which that was wasn't a horror movie though. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but that, exactly. That's not a horror film. That's, that's an action adventure film. Yeah. Any other thing I think can get away with PG 13. I'm okay with, except for, I'll give you another example. Like when Eddie Murphy, Ed, when Eddie Murphy did Harlem nights and, and right. all the other, you know, coming to America, funny to me. Then he started doing his daddy daycare bullshit, and it, it just wasn't good to me. I like TV shows with substance. I like them with, you know, with, with raw, nasty words, you know. I want everything that it's supposed yeah. to be, you know. I just, I don't want, like, if somebody stubs their toe, I don't want to hear, oh, shoot, that hurts, you know. I, I, nobody does that, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No, I get it. I don't, no rant, baby. Go on. I'm, I'm, I follow you. <laughs> So, so <laughs> go ahead. Zach. No, I'm just saying because uh, it sounds like you're doing you're you're you know you're you're producing movies. Is you're, you're doing more behind the camera stuff. Are you kind of pushing yourself towards that, or are you you know you kind of split your time between trying to get acting roles and doing producing? Do you see yourself yeah, becoming a director? I, I I you know I split my time because the thing is I'm not I'm not a movie star where people are throwing me millions of dollars to get shit done so I've got to the thing about being an actor your entire life means that I've been part of the gig economy before the gig economy existed. Mm -hmm. Do you know the term I'm referencing gig economy? No, but why don't you explain it out for us? All right. So, you know what Uber is, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yes. So, you that you work gig by gig. Did you get a gig? Yeah, I had 12 gigs tonight. I drove 12 people around on my Uber or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> so that's a gig economy. And basically the terminology comes from people who play in bands. And, oh, did you get a gig this weekend? Yeah, I got a gig. I'm playing my guitar at this venue, blah, blah, blah. So that's what the, that's the, the backstory on the word gig economy. I've been in that since I was a kid because my mom was an actress. So you go from having a job to not having a job, one gig to another gig. And so you're basically unemployed 90% of the fucking time looking for work. Mm -hmm. So I've been part of that my whole life, which means you have to adjust. You have to constantly be looking for what the marketplace needs, which how to fill it. Um, that comes down to how much do you eat? How fat are you? What are you selling? How much hair do you have? Uh, do you wear glasses? Do you not wear glasses? What are, what are you looking like now? Are you selling that or are you trying to sell something you can no longer do? I'm obviously, uh, I do martial arts, but am I gently? No. 
So you're constantly adjusting your tool, which is yourself, in order to create the best product possible. And when I look at the marketplace, you know, I'm a young looking guy. I can look like I'm 33 to 35, but there's a lot of guys in that category who are a lot more famous than I am, and they're going to get straight offers on work. I don't. So am I going to sit around with my thumb on my ass whining that the phone's not ringing to offer me a job, or am I going to get the fuck to work? Mm-hmm. What I've been doing for the last decade is I've been creating my own opportunities. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where my head's at. I love being from the camera. I love be- I love writing. I love directing. I love editing. I love producing. I love all of it. And I just want all of it to pay me a fuckload more money. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that that grind of auditioning and, and and all that mess that has to just suck. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine. It, oh. it it can be an ass beater, dude. It can be a serious fucking ass beater. It can really break you down, and especially if that's that's your only thing you do. Like, I could never go backwards and not be not be the guy who generates content. Sure, because now. I generate stuff. I make shit happen. And it 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 garners its own traction and momentum. And um I couldn't not be doing that. It's just it would leave me so annoyed and frustrated that I'd probably punch myself in the face. Ugh. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you do it. That's just not something that I think that I could do. But I guess you know, if you're producing, directing, doing whatever it is that you're planning on doing or wanting to do, that has to make things a little bit easier, I suppose. I guess when I guess when you're producing, though, everything falls on your shoulders so yes, versus, sir. you know what I mean? I guess I guess that's a whole other uh, yep. just mess in your head there. I go, oh, man. Uh, it, yeah. It's none of it. You don't have ulcers. It, none of it is fucking easy, man. I will tell you that none of it is like, oh, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Uh, it was a lot of work, all of them. But scraping by and clawing your way up there. Was that? I said it just sounds like you scrape by and claw your way up there, and you just keep moving instead of pitying yourself. You just you make it happen for yourself. You gotta. I mean, it's it's too. Like, and you also do it because you love the process. You love what you're able to learn and do. I I love uh, a lot of what Bruce Campbell's stuff that, that he does, and that's kind of what what he's done. Uh, he was also in Burn Notice. So before Burn Notice came out, I mean. He had been doing all these B movies. He even came out with a book saying, you know, basically how he came up being a B movie actor and how you basically have to do it for yourself and or nobody's going to do it for you. So, yep. And now he's got that great show, Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Which oh, I've not seen awesome. yet. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet? I haven't. I don't have that channel. No. <laughs> oh, dude, I, that's awesome. You get to marathon it. There's one more, uh, two more episodes of the season. Show is great. Show is great. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you what, and they were really smart for doing that because I'm actually considering getting that channel just so I can watch that show. No kidding. And that's what they're going for, obviously. So yeah. Have you just out of curiosity? Have you ever heard them talking about trying to push out something like a Christmas story? You know, a Christmas story two, and yeah, they did. They said it. They, they, they did. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it died. Oh, really? Right. Yeah, a horrible, horrible death. So, did they make it, or was it just in talks? Oh no, they made a Christmas Story too. Uh, uh, Warner Brothers did. They had the rights for Ralphie up to the age of sixteen, and then this other guy I know has the rights from sixteen onwards for the rest of his life, and uh, for the character. And so, what 
his story was really good. The scripts were fantastic, and it was being greenlit. And then Warner Brothers' Christmas Story 2 came out, and it bombed so badly that it killed the Christmas Story sequel. So, yeah, it's it's dead in the water, man. Yeah, I don't think you can duplicate that kind of magic. No. No way. And, you know, the thing is, like, people, obviously, Christmas Story, I get it. But I don't think people understand Party of Five, Jag, Nash Bridges, NYPD Blue, Titus, Charmed, Lost, etc. And, if I'm not mistaken, it was you that kicked Walker Texas Rangers ass, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that, I, yeah. I, I love some Walker. I, I do remember that episode. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> you kicked Chuck Norris's ass? Oh, he kicked boy. Chuck yeah. Norris's ass. I, I, let's, let's be honest. I snuck up behind him <laughs> a tree branch like a bitch. Is what he did. And Chuck Norris could kill me any day of the week. We all know that. So let's. I don't want some rampaging Chuck Norris fan to prove you know, Challenge me in a parking lot because you assholes are making me be tougher than I am. Hey, but wait a minute—you are a martial artist, so yeah, yeah, hey, you do martial arts. Come on, come on. There's, there's the movie. What's Chuck Norris? Seventy or eighty years old now? You got him. He's Chuck fucking Norris. <laughs> Chuck, but Norris. you're Scott Farkas. Yeah, but I think Chuck Norris has shit harder uh, dudes out than I am. So, but he fought Bruce Lee. So. All right, I tell you what—you can warm up with Brock Lesnar then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, you're just trying to get me killed, is what I. <laughs> so we, yeah, right. Well, he's got the total gym, and, and <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that, I mean, every, you just sit to see them commercials on TV all the time, and you've got movies out coming. You're producing movies. Uh, anything yeah. that you want to get done that you could see yourself doing in the future? Uh, your mom. <laughs> oh. You have to dig her up. You got to dig besides, her up first. <laughs> besides porn, besides porn, Rick. <laughs> so it was there. It was so. It was so good. Wow, this is going to go well for Christmas Story fans. <laughs> Come on, bully! It's my magic power. Bully. Come on, man! How many people have asked you to say it? Cry for me. <laughs> You've got to do it every. Actually, it's, it's a big sexual request. You know. Uh, <laughs> Kidding, kidding. <laughs> Cry for me. <laughs> that oh, would be funny, though. But anyway. You better cut. Oh, what? How many times did you do that scene? How many times did you have to do that scene? Which one? The one where he gets on top of you and smacks you around. Uh, it was long enough. I was lying in the snow. It was cold. He uh, His mittens kept on slapping me in the face. So it was like being a, a you know, pimp slapped with pork chops. It was great. <laughs> oh, so that was real snow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Didn't know if they did the fake thing back then or not. Uh, some of it, yeah, some areas were fake. It, a lot of it in Cleveland was fake. And that's uh, potato flakes, uh, foam, uh, like um, soap foam or uh, chopped up pieces of plastic. The chopped up pieces of plastic hurt the most because when they go in your eyes, they scratch your eye like crazy. But yeah, yeah. So the, the stuff I was in, was it was actually like minus 20 and cold and shitty. Well, before we let you go, make sure you let everyone know how we can get a hold of you. Obviously, on uh, Twitter at Total Zach Ward, uh, yeah. which you got Facebook and the whole. Tell everybody where we can find you. Uh, let's see. Let me double check my Facebook because I have a couple, um, and it, I've got. Oh, dang, damn it! Dig. Hold on, I'm double checking. Just edit this so I sound really smart when done. There's Zach Ward, and then there's also. Um, 
how do I find the other ones? Because I'm maxed out on my friends on um, on my personal. Then there's Scott Farkas. Um, what else? There's also I have a fan site as well, and I can't remember what the name of it is. But if you look up Zach Ward, I'm so sorry, everybody. If you look up Zach Ward, there'll be one with me looking like a pompous ass. And uh, then there's another one where I look nicer. Go to the one where I look nicer because then I can actually <laughs> take in your friend request. Whereas on my personal, I'm over 5K and I can't do it. But hit me up on Total Zach Ward at Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, check out uh, the sportsvote.com because I'm, um, I'm involved in a – I'm sponsoring a constitutional amendment for the state of California to open up sports markets as an alternative to sports gambling. So sports sports markets, sports vote, not sports goat. I don't know what a sports goat <laughs> sports is. Vote. <laughs> yeah, Zachary Chihai and a sports goat. <laughs> That's your personal Christmas dream, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, I'm waiting for my DVD of you uh, kicking Chuck Norris's ass. So the ass right, kicker right. of Chuck Norris. We're waiting for that YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so the sportsvote.com, what we're doing is it's uh, I'm sponsoring an amendment to open up markets in the state of California to offer offer an alternative to sports gambling, making sports like a Nasdaq of sports, so that there's a marketplace where you can invest in your in your teams without it impinging on the integrity of sports. Because as we all know through the history of mankind, sports and money has never gone gotten along very well without there being a problem. Maybe maybe a few problems. Yeah. Maybe we should ask FIFA or Pete Rose. <laughs> I don't know everybody about this. You know, it's the awesome. reason the reason why the state of Nevada doesn't have a, a professional team is a conflict of interest. They, it's true. This is a this is a fact. They don't have any professional sports teams because it is a conflict of interest. And gambling is not a bad thing. Gambling is great in casinos where they have, they control access. And they regulate the gambling. That's awesome because gambling, although it can be enjoyed, can also have addictive qualities and it can cause problems just like drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, right? Mm. And we don't let kids walk into 7-Elevens and pick up a pack of smokes or a box of wine. But right now we're having gambling as an app on your fucking phone, yeah. which means anybody with the phone can do it. So you're not controlling access to gambling because fantasy sports is gambling. The whole fucking world knows this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But they're saying that it's skill based. And uh... <laughs> oh. yeah, see, the fact that you're making a joke about it. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing that, that drives me crazy. Like I'm on the, I'm doing this thing. SIPA, Sports Integrity Protection Amendment. All right. It's a constitutional amendment to for California to create a mandate for sports markets. Now, why should you do that? Because if California does it in the beginning, it becomes it becomes Wall Street West. Now, Wall Street started in 1817 in New York City. It made the city and the country billions and trillions of dollars. It generated opportunity, money, and and businesses, commerce. People people's lives got become became better because the stock market exists. That's a fact. Okay. So if we can do the same thing over in California and have the state of California create the laws and legislation to control it from the beginning, which is what we want them to do, so that it's all on a 
on a transparent open field so it's fair and everybody can come in and start creating these markets, well, then we have a great opportunity. Let's give you another example of another great market, the App Store. Got it on your iPhone. You got it Google Play on your Android device, right? Mm -hmm. Have you ever downloaded or purchased an app? Sure. Sure. Do you like having that? Absolutely. Now, do you notice there's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of small independent companies who are generating products and selling them to you through the app store. So it's creating commerce. It's creating revenue. Those people have lives in this country and other countries, and you're generating money for them to live and succeed. Great. Fucking awesome. Now, the app store and Google Play, they're regulating. They're making sure that you don't have kiddie porn apps coming on or things that are inappropriate or things that are dangerous. You don't have stalker.app, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what happened with Draft Sports or Draft Kings, whatever the fuck they want to call themselves, the bullshit guys, is when the gambling laws were instituted, they were covering everything that made sense. And then they got to the point of like fantasy uh, fantasy football. They're like, oh, what is that? Well, that's when a bunch of people in the office, they put together their fantasy team and everybody puts in $50 and Linda from accounting don't give a fuck. At the end of the year, they're good. Someone wins 300 bucks and they all go to Chili's and they have a beer like, yay, Linda won. Mm -hmm. That's what it was for. It was like this little loophole because it would be ridiculous to give, to take those people who are working hard with their daily fantasy, with their fantasy football teams as an office pool. What, you're going to put them in jail? That's ridiculous. That's draconian. That sounds like something out of like communist-era Russia, right? Right. Right. So they left that little loophole. And then in comes Daily Fantasy, basically pushing a sperm whale through a doggy door. And then they look around going, what? What? We didn't do anything wrong. It's, it's skill-based, correct? It's skill-based. When John Oliver on The Daily Show does sketch comedy bits about it, you know it's hit a tipping point where everybody can see that the emperor wears no clothes. Well, that's where I got it from, of course. <laughs> yes, John Oliver. Let's call let's call an ace of spades an ace of spades. Mm -hmm. Is fucking gambling. Be gambling. There's nothing wrong with gambling when you control access and you regulate it. It's great. It works. Outside of that, it fucking does not. Because you talk to the Nevada Gambling Commission and they're like, uh, yeah, you're gambling, dude. I'm going to go out on a limb here and go, the gambling, the Nevada Gambling Commission, Gaming Commission, they might know what the fuck they're talking about. Anybody going to track me on this? I I, I'm following you on this. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is create something new that can create a brand new economy. And I don't know if we're going to succeed, but we're getting a little bit of traction right now to the point where there's this website. I can't remember the douchebag's name, but he literally uh, is sponsored by uh, FanDuel, and he came after me. Really? Yeah. You're like, you got no right to take away my gambling. But we all know what happened in the Farkas affair. You got your ass beat. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, him, I will happily offer a 50-cuff challenge and beat his ass into the pavement. Chuck Norris? No, I'm a giant pussy. This <laughs> <laughs> type of goo. I would I would put underneath my foot and curb them. So yeah, it's like so that's if anybody would like to see what I'm talking about, go to thesportsvote.com, and you may be part of changing something that could change the world, which is kind of fucking cool. We'll, uh, we'll put your link up on our website uh, along Definitely. with your your Twitter handle, and and we'll put the uh, 
thesportsvote.com uh, link up on our website. So if anybody needs to find it. Thanks, man. Yeah, and my Instagram handle is the same as uh, my Twitter. Okay. So, man, we really appreciate the time you took out of your schedule to uh, to come and do our show. Oh, my pleasure. You pretty much just ruined my Sunday, but whatever. Hey, we're okay with that, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that. I got that. <laughs> definitely link up with me, and, and uh, when you're going to post this, let me know so I can repost it for you as well. Oh, absolutely. Sure, we, will, we will. I appreciate it. And, and you know what? Congratulations on all your success, man. I mean, really. Well, that's pretty kind of you. I mean, I, I don't look at it as success. I look at it like uh, I, I have a lot more work I need to be doing to hit the level I, that I think I should accomplish. And that's not it's not arrogance. It's, um you know, look what you guys are doing. You create something because you try and you know you can. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was a quote that I read today that was really inspiring. Uh, where is it? Hold on. Give me two seconds. Yeah, here it is. We become what we think about. Life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, the more you, the more you do, the more you learn. The more you learn, the more you know. The more you know, the more you think about. So you're always constantly pushing yourself to fulfill that opportunity. I like it. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I agree. I appreciate you guys saying nice things to me. My attitude is I I have so much more to do. I have so much more to do and I need to get the fuck to work because I'm a lazy bastard. (laughs) But you you know what? With that particular attitude, you are going to go far, though, because, you know, you could have easily just rested. I mean, let's be realistic. You are in probably the most iconic Christmas movie ever. Freddy versus Jason is one of the most iconic, you know, Freddy, Jason, whatever you want to call it, one of the most iconic horror series. Transformers was enormous. You've done some majorly serious movies, and and you know what? You should be proud of yourself, and definitely the fact that you're just not resting on it means you're a hard worker, man, and, and like I say, I wish you nothing but success. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. That's very kind of you. That's very kind. And the same to you. Kick ass on this stuff, and if I can help out in any way, let me know. Sure, Will, man. Appreciate it. And we're sorry we ruined your uh, Sunday there. Well, I'll tell you what. When you get some news on your uh, thesportsvote.com, let us know what's going on. Maybe we'll uh, put, yeah, put some updates. Absolutely. I mean, follow you guys follow me on Twitter, right? Absolutely. We do. So I'm definitely going to be able to post stuff as like right now I'm in the post process of the films, which means I'm in the color correction lab and I'm doing the sound mix. Nothing that's that fucking interesting. Like, hey, guys, look, I'm looking at monitors and arguing about the sound of a creaky floor. Yay. <laughs> it's really bizarre uh, and slow and boring. It is the, it is the, the drudgery, the quagmire of uh, film posts. But, so there's nothing to really talk about there. But when it's getting closer to things happening, yeah, follow me up on Twitter. I'll put it up there. DM me. Or you know, now you have my number, you stalking bastard. <laughs> So just hit me up and uh, don't worry, we'll Twitter that out to everybody for you. Oh yeah, don't worry. About that. <laughs> I'll get you. Yeah, that would be, be just delightful. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the last we hear from Scott Farkas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, by all means, I'd love to help you guys have material to put out there. I'd love the support and pushing stuff out. That'd be great. Fantastic. Appreciate it, Zach. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Oh my clip, my pleasure, guys. Have a my good pleasure. Christmas. Merry Christmas, fellas. All right. Thanks, you too, man. Have a good one. That was uh, Scott <laughs> Farkas. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zach Ward, man. What a yeah, that dude. Woo, he's passionate. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um. Obviously, he's very passionate about his thesportsvote.com. We're gonna put that up on our our website at thestatementshow.com. So look for him at Total Zach Ward on Twitter. And again, I'm gonna say it again. The sportsvote.com. Not the sports goat. The sports vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of a signal problem there with 
with, with the interview, uh, cutting out a little here and there. So I think that was part of the problem. But you know what? Yeah. That's that's how it goes. So that's just the way it is. Sometimes these things happen. But hey, he was kind enough to join us. Imagine and, how busy uh, he is at this time of season. Oh my God! Oh, I could only imagine. And and you know, if you look at his IMDb, he is in post production for like two and three different movies now. And not to, like you said, around this time of the year. Having to do every single thing for a Christmas story. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Wow. I, oh my lord. Yeah, think about what it. A, think about it. how many people want to hear, how many people really want to hear this. Listen, jerk. When I tell you to come, you better come. What? Are you going to cry now? Come on, cry, baby. Cry for me. Come on. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I'd probably run if I heard that. <laughs> I am so ready for Christmas Eve right now. Oh, my goodness. I think that's good for this one. He's got can't top that. I mean, he's great. No, no. But even like we told him, man, congratulations, Zach Ward. You you've got you are in some seriously good movies, man. We appreciate you taking the time to come on. Follow us on Twitter at Statement Show. Make sure you follow Zach at Total Zach Ward. Um, am I missing anything, Zach? Well, you can follow us on uh, iTunes, The Statement. You can see us on YouTube, The Statement Show. Uh, we have a lot of interesting guests. We did uh, Stan Freeman and Ivana Cadaver and Bree Olson. I'm sure people have heard Fran that. Drescher. Fran Drescher. And now we can add Zach Ward to our list. Absolutely. Um, so. Go ahead and see out his projects. Hit us up on thestatementshow.com, and we'll have up his links there. And that is thesportsvote.com and at Total Zach Ward, his Twitter handle. And, of course, and obviously, hit our Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. And, obviously, we're probably not going to speak to you before Christmas. So, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, happy holidays, and the lights are out. See ya. He's Chuck fucking Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris. your Scott Farkas. Oh, it's so erudite. Oh, my pleasure. You pretty much just ruined my Sunday, but whatever. We become what we think about. Life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, the more you, the more you do, the more you learn. The more you learn, the more you know. The more you know, the more you think about. So you're always constantly pushing yourself to fulfill that opportunity.